rising on an emerging generation of kings. from verse 16 so he that is Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been brought up look at somebody say allow yourself to be brought up Jesus was anointed gifted communicator fully God fully man but he still allowed himself to be brought up to be raised to be sired and as his custom was so he had customs as well he had habits he had traditions he had routines look at your neighbor say your life cannot afford to be scattered say you must have the customs and the consecrations of your calling so he was brought up but that's not all you know after you've been brought up is your customs that will tell whether you stay up i hope you know that that the fact that you had good parents does not mean you end up with a good life that the fact that you have a good pastor does not mean you end up with a good life because all that your parents and pastors were called to do was to set you up but what keeps you up are the values and the customs and the habits and the routines and the practices that you then embrace in your own life as his custom was he went into the synagogue on the sabbath day and what did he do there he stood up to read verse 17 he was handed the book of the prophet isaiah and when he had he had opened the book he found the place where it was written the spirit of the lord is upon me watch this now because he has anointed me the first thing that we see Jesus doing with the anointing or that is commissioned to do with the anointing was the first thing to preach the gospel to the poor. So the first thing that we see the anointing doing the ministry of Jesus is not to break chairs in an impartation service. I hope you know because the way we define anointing in Africa is the amount of theatrics and drama that happens in the service. But what's the anointing is the oil of God or the shaman of God, the oil of God. And when the Bible introduces the oil to us in the book of Exodus, it said they should put oil in the lamp for light. So the first thing the anointing is to do is to bring light. The light of Christ, the light of his revelation. So he says the first thing is he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal not broken bodies because again in Africa we think that if a prophet comes or a speaker comes and he heals somebody with amputated leg ah, that guy's anointed but how many times have we healed the amputated leg and we left the amputated soul or the fractured mind or the broken heart Jesus said it's the anointing that also takes care of the emotional mess and the mental damage yet the church for a long time has been carried away with just the spiritual aspect and the physical aspect but listen it does not matter who did what to you this day the anointing of god is bringing restoration to your heart amen. that amen sounds like it requires some healing Break the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim, declare, announce liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And verse 19, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then what, is this, what does he do in verse 20? Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eye Eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. Look at your neighbor say he's not Tupac, but all eyes were on him. Some of you were not born. Just write it down. <laughs> and he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Verse 22, so all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth and they said is this not Joseph's son let's read verse 23 together verse 23 he said to them you will surely say this proverb to me physician heal yourself 
Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also in your own country. They're basically mocking him or despising him. But when you go to the book of Luke chapter 5, you're going to see something he says there that is very important. Luke 5 from verse 27 to 32. After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So Levi left all, rose up, and followed him. Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house. And there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. And the scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples saying, Why do you eat and drink with? Modern translation. I'll explain that to you. Just so that you see that Jesus was not discriminating, right? And that these tax collectors were not necessarily good guys. Otherwise, disciples would not be asking, ah, why is this with them? They were known to be bad people. What they would do is that they would game the system. So whatever they were supposed to collect, they would collect more. Or they would cut deals with people who were not paying tax, right? And write off their debt based on the personnel. So these guys were like a typical state government agency that were doing things badly. Yet Jesus sits with them. Somebody say, Jesus is sitting with me. He says, some of you are good at two shoes. You were born holy. The first day you came out of your mother's womb, you came out as a little baby. You were already speaking in tongues. All the midwives that were supposed to receive you, they were slain under your anointing when you were born. As a matter of fact, people were convulsing and hitting the floor because so great was your anointing. They began to sing, how great thou art. That's the way you were. But if there's anybody in here who knows, I've not always been a good boy. I've not always been a good girl. I've not always had it together. I made some mistakes. I messed up sometimes. Where are those who have a bit of a colored history or who have some kind of past that they might not be necessarily proud of? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Is there anybody who knows that it was the grace of God that redeemed you, that plucked you out of the mess and gave you a new name? Who wrote your name in the book of life and they did not pluck it out? Is there anybody who is grateful to God? The ones who are frolicking with the wrong guys and doing the nasty things behind the car. Or maybe sometimes you are sniffing the cook or the powder. God still had his hand upon your life. And the devil's temptations could not break that agenda. If you are not one of us, keep on sitting down. But if there are some of us who know that God delivered me not only from what I did, but all also from what the devil tried to do based on what I did. And for some of us, what God delivered us from was us. He delivered us from self-righteousness, from pride, from arrogance, saying, at least I've always been a good person. You lie. He says, your righteousness, they are like filthy rags before God. If God delivered you, can you stretch your hands and open your mouth and shout, thank you, Jesus. Oh, I need somebody to help me on the keyboard. High five your neighbor and say, thank you, Jesus. It was Jesus that helped me. It was Jesus that brought me. It was Jesus that cleaned me. It was Jesus that accepted me. It was Jesus that gave me a brand new life. It was Jesus that wrote off my debts and wrote my name in his book. He was sitting with the tax collectors. Listen, if Jesus was in Lagos today, he would sit with MC Olomo. Your religious mind is struggling to get it. He was sitting with the Oloshos, with the bomb bomb shakers. Not just the planet shakers. Some people are planet shakers, others are bomb bomb shakers. Jesus, whether you're a bomb bomb shaker or a planet shaker, Jesus says, I got you. I died for you. I didn't die for an exclusive preserve of people. You don't have to be good before you encounter me. It's your encounter with me that makes you good. Are you hearing? It's the goodness of God that causes men to come to repentance. Jesus is saying, no matter how good you thought you were, when you encounter me and my holiness, you see that your good was actually bad because I'm so good that to make your goodness look like badness. Therefore, until you come to me, you have no life on the inside of you. The scribes and the Pharisees look at, they complain against his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? 
Imagine sinners calling sinners sinners. There's levels to sin, right? So these sinners were professional sinners. They had certificates of sinning. They had endorsement badge. It was clear that they were sinners. But isn't it amazing how many times we judge people not knowing that even our frame of reference is already faulty. So you are using a damaged parameter to damage other people that you consider damaged. <laughs> but see, Jesus, look at what it says in verse 31. Verse 31, they complain against the disciples. Jesus speaks, he answered, can I talk to you? When people are criticizing you, you don't need to be the one to answer. Jesus didn't wait for the tax collectors to defend themselves. Oh. Jesus became their advocate without them paying for the service. When people are accusing you, do you know what? Jesus is answering them. Why? Why? She's not even good enough to be a pastor's wife. He's not even good enough to be a billionaire at 27. I'm talking about people's stories right now. They're not even good enough to own their new property on the island. Listen, we are getting a new property in Lekki. We're tying the deal this week, a lease for two years. And after that, we're going to buy it. You don't sound excited. Maybe because you don't know how the Lord brought us from 10 years. Some of you can't appreciate it. Some of you can appreciate it. And this is exactly what also happens in salvation. Jesus said, the person that is forgiven much, he loves much. The person that knows what it takes to receive redemption, appreciates it more than the person that feels, I don't need forgiveness. Jesus answered and said to them, those who are well have no need of physician, but those who are Somebody, can you just say to Jesus, Jesus, I'm not very well. I'm not very well. I need you. Some of you are like, you don't want to say it. That's the problem. <laughs> Jesus said, it's those that hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. But then it says, now you have a well of water on the inside of you. For that well to rise up. You know what God creates? A hunger for others to be thirsty. Have you noticed that you walk with God, you never get to a point where you are completely feeling like, now I got this. Whenever you feel that way, God will ruffle your nest a little bit. Why? Isaiah already tells in that chapter 9, to the increase of his kingdom, there shall be. And as human beings, whenever we become too comfortable, we become captives of our comfort. And part of what Jesus died for is to set the captives free, including captives of comfort. Some people are so eager to sit. It's okay, sit, sit. <laughs> so Jesus comes and it says, those who are well, they have no need of a physician. It says, I have not come to call the righteous, verse 32. I have not come to call the righteous, but who have I come to call? Sinners, Sinners to repentance. I just want to share in a couple of minutes the balm of Gilead. So Jesus is called the balm of Gilead, but many of us don't really understand what that means. I hope that I can do a good work in helping you understand the power of the balm. It's a whole message, but I can exhaust that today. But look at somebody say, there is a balm. See, there is a balm in Gilead. Jesus makes it clear that if you are broken, if you feel tired, if you feel weary, if you feel exhausted, he has a place for you. He says, come to me, all you that are heavy laden, challenged, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. He didn't say, I will loan you rest. What it means is that God, when he gives you rest, is not supposed to be a temporary experience. Such that even when you labor, you're laboring from rest. You are not under arrest because you're under his rest. 
And what happens to men and people is because they are looking for that rest, they look for that rest with her. So that becomes her rest. So Samson and Delilah, you're looking for rest for your weary head. So you place your head. <laughs> the laptop, and then the laptop crashed after your hard drive. It was all gone in a flash. <laughs> it became a floppy disk. <laughs> so because every human being, listen please, can I tell you what? Every human being is looking for rest. Every human being. Especially in Lagos, Nigeria. Everybody wants even Pepe to rest in their accounts. Right? Want bread. Have you noticed that most people will settle in a place where there is rest more than many people, I should say, more than where there are riches. Because sometimes when you find riches, you lose rest. That's why the Bible says the blessing of the Lord is actually what makes rich and adds no sorrow. If the devil ever gives you riches, it will take your rest. Because it knows you'll not be settled enough to direct the riches, but that because you are restless, the riches will misdirect you. You'll misbehave and do stuff you don't need to do. And so when Jesus comes and saying, I'm the all-purpose solution, I am the ground for your rest. I'm the place where you find solace. I'm the person who gets you before you can articulate the pain you're feeling. Are uh, you hearing now what you've been trying to tell your husband to get, your wife to understand, your prayer partner to comprehend, what you've been trying to tell your counselor, your therapist, and they get it, but they don't get it. Jesus says, I get it. Uh, Jesus said, I get you. Jesus said, I don't just hear your words. I hear your feelings. I hear your pains. Listen, I hear your tears. I don't just see your tears. I hear your tears. Two friends can be in a service and somebody is crying. And an onlooker thinks, oh, this person has been touched by the Holy Ghost. Because the person can see the tears. But the friend of the person knows, ah, somebody broke a heart two days ago. So once everybody sees the same tears, every tear has a message Jesus said I, I don't just see your tears I hear your tears and when things have been torn or damaged in your life I know exactly what is going on as a matter of fact you realize that sometimes when you're in pain you go to the to the doctor and you might think it's actually one thing that is causing the pain but by the time they do their uh, investigation the physician tells you to take a couple of tests they come out with a different conclusion about what's going on similarly sometimes you think the reason you're crying is the thought in your head but when you go to Jesus he's going to expose to you the real issue high five somebody say Jesus knows the real issue Tell your neighbor, say, Jesus knows the real yam. The real issue. It compound it. <laughs> he knows it. Now, in the Old Testament, whenever people had ailments, they used two major things, or three actually, um, but two are connected to the third. They used three major things. They will use herbs. They will use herbs. So trees, barks, uh, leaves, they will do that. So either people chew them or grind them or mint them or milk them. And that's why even in the book of James says, if anybody is sick, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him. Let them anoint him with oil. And they said, the prayer of faith will heal the sick. Now, many people in the body of Christ think it's talking about anointing oil, right? And that when you place anointing oil on the person, the person will be healed but James makes it clear he says it's the prayer of what faith is not the oil is the prayer of when faith prays is the prayer of faith that heals the sick now the oil was common practice that if somebody had like a boil or a bump or something, they will mix an oil, come on now, and they will rub it on that space. So what it's saying is you can apply physical ointment, but understand that what actually brings the healing is the? Because doctors still today will tell you doctors care, but only God heals. Are we getting that now? 
So they will use herbs, then they will use oils, but then they would also use balms. And oftentimes, a balms were from a plant called the balsam plant, where they will extract the vital ingredients, and they will use it for like maybe chest pain or um, breathing problems or uh, bumps or parts of the body. Sometimes they will mix that together, and then they will provide healing for the person who is ill. Let's look at Je Jeremiah chapter eight very quickly. Jeremiah chapter eight very quickly. You might have seen the scripture before, read the scripture before, heard the scripture before. From verse 18. I will comfort myself. 8.18. I will comfort myself in sorrow. My heart is faint in me. Listen, the voice, the cry of the daughter of my people from a far country. See what it says. Is not the Lord in Zion? Is not her king in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their carved images, with foreign idols? Why have they resorted to man-made methods, to canal strategies, to soulish humanistic attempts? Why have they done that with images, with foreign idols? The harvest is past, the summer has ended, and we are not saved. That's what they're saying. Time has passed. For the hurt of the daughter... Of my people I am hurt. So this is the prophet speaking now. I am mourning. Astonishment has taken hold of me. Look at the next line. Read it with me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people. So there are balms in different places, but the balm in Gilead or the balm of Gilead was typically a preferred go-to to sort out a multiplicity of problems. So Jeremiah is presenting that as a picture, as a metaphor, that the king in Zion has medicinal intelligence to be able to heal the parts of your life that you are tempted to seek idols to sort out. It means that whilst you're trying to use your own logic and your own pattern and your own man-made methods to fix an issue, God already has a recovery process. God has a technique. God has a life-saving, money-saving, time-saving, energy-saving procedure that will get into the Akiyemi of the Ara. That means the deepest parts of the body to fix it. There's somebody here. Now, did anybody play soccer in school? You played football in school or you played 10-10 or you ran? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. Raise your hands. You did that. You ran. You played 10-10 and then you fell. Maybe you saw a fine boy. You were tripping and then you... You twisted your arm. Who else did something? Something fell. Anybody? Who had a bump or a twist or a sprain? Nobody. You guys don't have an active childhood. Yeah, raise your hand. What, what, what happened to you? From a tree, my kind of person. I also fell from a tree, but unfortunately, there was nobody at home. So I kept on crying. Oh, I actually fell and fell on, you know, all those roots that come out from the tree. I learned a lesson that day. You are not a monkey. <laughs> Okay, slide down. Slide up. On the railings of the, you know all those very slick ones. Now have the black rubber covering it. Alright, nice. So you twisted your arm. What else happened? Yes, ma'am. A tree fell on your head. Were you living in the forest? You had many mango trees. La Yorumbu. <laughs> wow, so sorry. But you, I mean, let's celebrate God for all the stories of survival because it could have been different. What else happened? You poor here were boring. You didn't have any. Twice. The first time, we're not pinned enough. A tin of Milo. Balenciaga. <laughs> I was trying to balance and it didn't balance 
on account of this. The account. All right. So, so you get the point. Now, when that happened, what did you do? You hid yours. You hid yours. Hope it wasn't hideous. You cried all night. What else happened? So, nobody got a bomb. Nobody used hit all. Or rob. Aboniki. Eventually, right? So that's a bomb. Right? Now that bomb, for it to work, deep heat, it needs to be applied. It needs to be massaged. Oh, come on now. It needs to be rubbed. And the person who is doing the massaging does not feel the pain. But the person has to apply pressure. But the person that they are massaging, so, you know, ask, do you want to be healed? Are you hearing this? Because the process of healing also requires that the healer puts a pain or some pain or a reminder of the pain. Come on, somebody help me now. That the healing may not always be painless. So a lot of people think that if I'm feeling the pain, I'm not healed. Sometimes the proof that I'm healing is now I can feel the pain and I know it. Oh, can I talk right now? High five your neighbor, say neighbor. Let Jesus massage you. Look at your neighbor, high five till their palms turn red and tell them let Jesus massage. He says, is there no bomb in Gilead? Listen, that you're going to bow before the carved images. The images don't apply any pressure, but they have no lasting gain. So many of us, instead of allowing God to heal us, we're looking at carved images. Images of celebrities that we hail as an escape away from the reality of our own lives. Images of shoes that we hope to buy one day, not knowing that healing is a necessary process for us to even have the creative intelligence to produce the value that can generate the money to even smell half a shoe of that price. We try to use carved images to distract ourselves. But God says, no, if you're going to get healed, the palm of Gilead must be rubbed on the inside of you. And can I tell you something? When the palm is rubbed, when there is deep heat, I hope you know that it becomes intravenous, <laughs> which means that something in the palm gets into your bloodstream and it begins to travel. It becomes a part of your system. God says, I'm not going to give you a superficial form of healing. I will massage it until it gets into your bloodstream. This is not you pretending to be well. This is not you pretending to be over it. This is not you trying to work out a hypocritical script that positions you as somebody who has encountered God. No. This is you who is carrying the healing virtue of God on the inside of you. And wherever you go, you smell like the balm. You smell like the healer. You smell like the glory of God. You smell like God's power has done a deep work on the inside of you. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but today, the palm of Gilead is sorting out the issues in your life. The pains are going to go. The stress is going to be replaced with the energy of the spirit. Somebody let your amen resound and give the devil a nervous breakdown. The interesting thing about this Dr. Jesus, this healer with the healing balm, is that he's always there. Even in the midst of the hurt, he was there. In the midst of the betrayal, he was there. In the midst of the damage, he was there. What you actually may not realize is that he actually ensured that the damage was not destructive. Because when you share your testimony, there were other people who went through half of what you went through. But they lost their minds. They lost the opportunities. So we think about somebody like Joseph, Kayato Basha. Joseph had a beautiful dream, a beautiful destiny. God gave him early impressions of what he wanted to do with his life. He was favored by his father. He had a coat of many colors. And by the way, when you check the original text, you're going to see that it wasn't just a direct that the father now just did tie and die and dipped it inside and brought it out. You're smiling. Yes, it wasn't a direct. It was neat with many colors. It was like a quilt. The father needed it. 
So it was like Ashoki before Yoruba land. Expensive, colorful. He had that as a mark of distinction. Don't forget what the word says concerning the adulteress. He says she will hunt the precious soul. The people that try to exploit you, manipulate you, use you, drain you, they sense something about you. And even if they did not, the demons behind them sense something about you and mobilize an attack against you to try to tear you down. But somebody shout, I'm, I'm unbroken. Sir, I didn't hear you shout, even though you're looking very deeply, intensely connected to the message. But can you shout, I'm unbroken? So Joseph, he, they had seen it and his brother said, hey, this guy, you feel like you can dream, right? Okay, we're going to kill you and let's see what's going to become of your dream. His father sends him to check up on his brothers and when he gets to his brothers, they see him from afar and they have this plot to take him out. But guess what they did? Genesis 37 from verse 23 to 28. I want to show you. Look at somebody say, the balm is always with you. Say loud. I say, the balm is always with you. How many of you noticed that when your uncle massaged it, and you know, they are professional massagers, and then there are wicked uncles or aunties that will see as their opportunity to finally get back at you for not giving them the meats. So they will hit it. You tell them, ah, it's too much. Mm, it's for your own good dog. Back, back, back. Right? Tell your neighbor, say the bomb is there. Joseph is going into a place in his mind. I'm just going to look after my brothers, deliver my father's message. But see what they did to him from verse 23. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic. The tunic of many colors that was on him. Verse 24. Help us quickly. Then the two came and cast him into a pit and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. This is a picture of Jesus anyway. And they sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted their eyes and looked and there was a company of... Ishmaelites from Gilead. Oh my word. From where? Gilead. What were they carrying? Bearing? And what? And what? On their way to carry them down to? <laughs> the same people that were carrying him into slavery were a, po a perfect picture that for the pain ahead, there was already bound. There was a physical symbol that before you are sold out, I already bought what you need to pull you out of what you were sold into. Oh, is somebody hear what I'm saying? Before the battering, there was the palm. Before the betrayal, there was the palm. Before the bitterness, there was the palm. Before the rape, there was the palm. Before the treachery, the divorce, the separation, there was the palm. God never allows you to enter into any hurt without a provision of the palm of Gilead. And so, devil, you might do your work. I'll come up again. I'll come up on top. I'll come bouncing back because I've got the palm of Gilead. Oh my God, the enemy tried to wipe you out, to break you down, to push you over, to run you over. But God said, I already packaged the palm with you. So as you're going to Egypt, you are not going without the palm. Oh my God, I look like somebody. Jason Bonner, I can't believe your eyes are closed on this one. High five your neighbor and tell your neighbor, the bomb is always with you. I'm going to look for five people, especially those who look like they're sleeping, and tell them the bomb is always with you. The bomb is always with you. So Joseph, whilst you were stripped, the bomb was with you. Don't sustain, don't Look at your neighbor, say the bomb is always with you. Uh, Joseph was stripped naked, about to be sold, but the palm was 
with him. And can I tell you something? It was not only the palm that was there. The myrrh was there. The myrrh is a representation of sorrow and pain. But guess what? There were also spices. So listen, the myrrh represents the pain. The palm represents the healing. But the spices represent the flavors of God that are going to preserve. But not only preserve, they're going to promote you. So the pain tried to pain you. The palm is going to preserve you because the palm is the root word for embalment. I'm going to preach before I preach for empowerment. But the spices are what announce here. What announce here. So Joseph, as you are going into Egypt, the three are already prepared for. Uh, the myrrh, which represents the pain, you will suffer. Uh, but when you suffer, there is balm. You are going to be preserved. That's why Potiphar's wife couldn't crush you. She lied on you, but she couldn't destroy you. That's why in the jail, they forgot you there. But they couldn't keep you there. You know why? Your spice can travel beyond your location. Your spice to interpret dreams. Your spice to announce the glory of God. Your spice to show the goodness of God. I want to announce to you this is the same picture of Esther where there were myrrhs and palms to work on her for six months. But the next six months, it was fragrances and spices. As the first half of the year comes to an end, the palm has done its work. The myrrh has done its work. Now the spice is about to kick in, kings. You better get ready, get, 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 get ready. I see the spices of a new flavor, a new fragrance, a new anointing, new kings about to rise. I see the spices about to take over. Where are the spice girls? Where are the real spice girls? Where are the real spice men who are about to smell like a, the glory of God on two legs? High five your neighbor. Said the palm is with you. And the spices are with you. But listen to this. Remain standing. Let me close. God never allows you to be sold out without him already paying the price for your preservation. This is the reason whenever anything bad happens to you, say, God, I trust you to bring out the good in this. Because God is the recalibrating essence that is able to conform all things to the nature of himself. And because he is good, he can conform bad and re-engineer the bad and reconfigure it to the nature of himself. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The bomb was there. Can I propose to you that this is also a picture of Jesus? But before I talk about Jesus, let me give you one more scripture. Remain standing. <laughs> Hear what? Genesis, maybe two more. Genesis 43 from verse 11. This was many years later. Somebody said, The bomb is always with me. Even if there's a bump, I've got the bomb. There might be betrayal, but I've got the bomb. Say it. There might be betrayal, but I've got the bomb. The enemy may bring bitterness, but I've got the bomb. And I've got the spice. And I've got the sauce everywhere. Chew. I hear him saying, S-T-E-W, spiritual transformation everywhere. Chew. This was years later, after Joseph had emerged as king, prime minister, top-notch leader. And their father Israel, that's Jacob, who's now Israel, said to them, Israel is Israel. <laughs> their father Israel is doing pizza. <laughs> and their father Israel said to them, if it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best fruits of the land in your vessels and carry down a present for the man. Who was the man? Joseph, a I want to show you something here. I'm preaching better than you're looking, particularly people on this side. Okay, can I talk to those who are hungry for the word? Can I tell you something? Take a little what? Palm and a little. Honey and what? Spices. And myrrh and pistachio nuts and what were they going to Egypt for? To go and look for 
food, grain, which means that the sources, the resources around Goshen had run thin. But no matter what they had lost in grain, God ensured they still had a little bomb. Which means that when you no longer have migraine and all you have is migraine, God says, I will still keep some balm there. You lost your job, but there's some balm still left. You lost some opportunities. God is saying, no matter what you have done, I will never let you run out of balm. Balm. Still balm there. Oh, look at somebody say, I'm still bam, bam, bam. My name is not bam, bam, but I've still got the balm of balm. I'm still, I've still got the balm of Gilead. He said, take a little balm and little honey. So see this, Joseph was in a different land, separated from his father. His father represented the love of his life or his key to the future or the covering or the provider. Whilst the balm was preserving Joseph in Egypt, the balm was preserving Israel in Goshen. Don't leave me dry. I'm about to close. He was preserving Israel. Are you aware they are ministering? You need balm in your eyes. <laughs> right? <laughs> what am I trying to say? Whilst you were thinking, oh, I'm so fractured, I'm so damaged, I'm so used, and you're worried that I will never be the kind of husband or wife or brother or sister. The balm that is preserving you in your pain is also preserving all the relationships. That your destiny will still need. Because when a child is lost for 13 years, it can kill the father. But the bomb that was with Joseph. Come on now. The bomb that was with Joseph was still with Jacob as father. And whilst you were lost, no GSM, no social network, there was spiritual network where the dispensary of heaven, where Dr. Jesus was like, keep Jacob alive is important. Why? Because Jacob must bless the children of Joseph for them to become a mighty nation. This is the reason the rape couldn't kill you. The exploitation couldn't wipe you out. The disease, COVID couldn't tear you down because the bomb said your destiny requires another generation to experience what you carry. Are you hearing this? I don't have enough time to show you I don't have enough time to show you, but study it by yourself. The Bible says that early the next day, when they wanted the third day, when they wanted to go and embalm the body of Jesus, come on now, he was not there. Because the balm does not need balm. He's accurate. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so he says in Genesis 49, 25 to 26, it said, Joseph, show us, he's a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough over the walls. It says, the blessings, no, give, give me from verse 24. From verse 23. Manokova Dibashai. 22. Go back to where Joseph here. Joseph is a fruitful bow, a fruitful bow by a well. But his branches do what? So he's rooted in resources. But his assignment like yours is for you to travel over the walls, over barriers, over limitations, over cultural gender biases, over theological and denominational lines. That is the destiny of Joseph. And that's why the devil cannot afford for Joseph to survive because he knows that because it's rooted by the well, anywhere he goes, there'll be fruit, there'll be irrigation. So let's damage him at seven. Let's manipulate him at 13. Let's hurt 
his desire for ministry at 20. Let's make sure he does not travel because when he travels, he travels with his spices. So let's damage him. He said, but see what happened. Verse 23, help us. The archers have bitterly, bitterly grieved him. These are emotional issues. They shot at him, long range attack, and hated him. Verse 24. But arrows in my back, but there's balm in my soul. Backstabbers, but there's a front driver. There hurts, but there's a healer within. Come on now. He said his bow remained how? Somebody shall not shake it. Say I stand Agidiba. I'm standing solidly. And the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From where there is the shepherd or the healer, the keeper, the stone, the solid structure of Israel. Verse 25. See this. By the God of your father, who's your father, Jacob. The God who helped Jacob from the manipulation and the scheming of Laban and all the assaults and the cheating for many, many years. Who will help you by the almighty who will bless you with four dimensions of blessings. After the breakdown comes the multidimensional blessing. He said the blessings of the heaven above that are speaking about spiritual blessings, insights, and rain from heaven. Talking about the deposits of the divine that will come upon everything you do. Oh, I thought somebody was going to receive that with a big amen. He said the blessings of the heaven above, the blessings of the deep that lies beneath, which means treasures that eyes have not seen, that excavators have not discovered, that eschatologists cannot even look he says that Joseph, you will begin to mine deep treasures. You will begin to bring up things, inventions. You will bring up apps, technologies, artificial intelligence, digital intelligence. You will begin to birth and conceive things because you survived. God told me a couple of things a couple of weeks ago. He said, you passed the test. You passed. He said, you, you survived. And you passed the test. You better get ready for the rewards, the promotions, the returns. Especially those of you who were hurt, but you didn't hurt them back. You were betrayed, but you didn't betray them back. They used you, dumped you, abandoned you, blocked your number, cut you off, but you better get ready. He said, when you remain strong like that, I know now that I can give you blessings from different dimensions, and you will not use bitterness to turn the blessing into a curse. You will not use your need for revenge to taint what I'm doing. So he says, the blessings that lie beneath, but not only that, because if it's just in heaven and beneath, people might say it's luck. He said, your own breast, your own infrastructure. He says, the blessings of the breast and the womb. Your womb will birth things. It will just be your land that is fruitful. Your body will be fruitful. Your mind will be fruitful. Your soul will be fruitful. Your emotions will be fruitful. He said, your breast will also produce what will sustain what you produced. So you'll be a one sign wonder. You have milk to nurse what you are producing. I proclaim your breast will no longer be dry. And when I speak about breast, don't just think about the mammalian organ. I'm talking about the conduits that express sustenance, that bring life. So that when you start a business, you won't run out of salaries. When you start a project, the monies will keep coming. Your building project will not die. When you get into a flow of ministry, you will not run out of words of knowledge, words of wisdom. The gospel message will be liquid in your mouth. Just keep flowing. The sustenance that generations need. Do not run out of wisdom or wealth. At the board meeting, you will always have what to say. Shakwe, my friend, the Lord will use your mouth and your tongue to sculpt, describe, prescribe, proscribe. The Lord will use your words and your mouth to create and carve new templates, new systems, new frameworks. That'll be the passageway for many. The blessing of the womb, verse 26. The blessings of your father. What have they done? They have excelled the blessings of my ancestors. In other words, we never said this kind before. Get ready for that. Up to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills, they shall be on the head of Damilala Luatoimbo. And on the 
crown of the head of him who was the betrayal had to happen because your preparation had to be different from theirs so the separation was positioning for preparation because you'd have been contaminated with their same attitude if you had stayed around them long enough sometimes God breaks your friendships and relationships to build something in you that he cannot afford to have damaged Someone just receive that bomb. Receive the bomb. Receive the bomb. Joseph, I don't know who the Joseph is right now, but there's a Joseph in this house. The truth is there are Josephs in this house. And you will know you're a Joseph because there's hatred by your kinsmen, sometimes biological kinsmen. By kinsmen, I don't mean kings. I mean your family. Sometimes biological family, but other times people who are familiar with you or in your industry or in your space. I'm not just talking about casual, natural human dislike. I'm talking about hatred. God says, I'm separating you. That's what I'm doing. I'm separating you. Because your treatment, your preparation has to be different. Esther's cannot be raised by everybody. Jesus's cannot grow up everywhere. So Jesus has to be separated to Egypt. Joseph is like Jesus. Joseph, hated by his brothers, Jesus came to his own. His own did not receive him. Jesus was stripped naked. Joseph was stripped naked. Joseph was dropped in the pit. Jesus went to the pit and redeemed us. Joseph had to be taken to Egypt. Jesus had to be taken to Egypt. Joseph had myrrh, spices, and balm. Jesus had frankincense, myrrh, and gold. Frankincense and spices, frankincense, burned it. We'll see the two stories. They end up with crowns. Never let the frown stop your crown. Men will do things that will give you the frown. God has prepared things that will give you the crown shall be upon the head for some of you what you just need right now is the consciousness that my crown is coming I've passed the test the crown is here hallelujah do you receive that today do you receive that today do you receive that today father we give you praise and glory for the healing and the transformation and all that you've done for us in Jesus name. The generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. To join this growing community of kings, visit www.kingdomcentral.org and send your full name and email address to 0908-123-4566. One more thing, someone you know needs this. Kindly share this now.